Hello, everybody, and Happy New Year, um, everyone, and a very warm welcome to the this edition of the Playboard Play, Play ANI's podcast. Um, my name is Breed Stockley. I'm a Play Participation Officer at Playboard, and today I'm going to be talking to Jess Eady from North Down YMCA. Hello, Jess, and thanks for joining me. No problem. Hello. Uh, so today we're going to be discussing the day in the life of a play worker in school age childcare. So, but first a wee bit of background. Playboard NI has been supporting the school age childcare sector and its provision of services, um, you know, since since Playboard started. So we would support um, the services and support and training to enhance the projects. Play offers supporting the project with any staffing issues or um, issues with business and governance. We offer play and business surgeries on a quarterly basis. And again, we here we offer advice and practical, or practical support, um, supplying information um, uh, to enhance the already excellent provision in the school age child care sector here in Northern Ireland. And our training can be, it can be face-to-face or Zoom webinars. And um, we cover issues um, related to the day-to-day um, running of school age child care. So Jess, let's get started. Um, I suppose, firstly, um, what I'd like to ask you is, why did you decide to become a play worker? Okay, so um, I guess I kind of fell into it a little bit. Um, I studied um, early childhood studies. I didn't really know where I wanted to go with that, but knew I wanted to work with children. So um, I have experience of children from babies, toddlers, um, right up to 16, 17 year olds in, in a school setting. Um, but I just loved the school age sector. I just loved that age group of children. I think that um, they get so much from school, but outside of that, their lives are so busy and they don't have that downtime. And I think just having somewhere where children can just be yeah. <laughs> is really, really nice for children. And I love um, I love being part of that. So um, I think once I started working with school age children, I then knew that that's where I wanted to continue on. Lovely. And the, the, the thing too, and, you know, I remember hearing this many years ago because I've been a play worker also, you know, before I joined play. Playboard for just over 30 years. They say that um, if you stay in school age child current as a play worker for five years, then that's it. You're you're there for life. You're there yeah. for life. You know, and I, you know, and I, I've seen that happening to a lot of us. Um uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you is about training and qualifications and what training and qualifications are required for working within and after school and you know, in your experience. Sure. So um our staff have a a variety of kind of training backgrounds and qualifications so um I myself have um a degree from Strandmillis in early childhood studies um some of our staff have a teaching qualification uh some have uh the, the child care qualification so children's care learning and development um and recently some of the certainly in in Cirque and in the Bangor and Ards campuses they've started to kind of put playwork kind of modules in so that's that's quite nice um that it's not just all focused on the the early years kind of stuff um we have some staff that are playwork specific trained so um you know to me that's that's the most appropriate qualification for for working with with school age children um and sort of differs from childcare in that it really explores all of the play types and um, the play cycle, the way children play. Um, and it just really brings what you see and practice 
to to life and, and kind of links the theory of that in. Yeah, it does, um, and it paints a picture as well because when you look at a children's play space, you start thinking on you know around the the play cycle, you know where they start, how they're thinking about it, whenever their school, what it is they're going to play with, whenever they're com- they, they come, you know they come into to they are after schools. So um okay. and yeah, and the other thing too is you know for for people um who do hold a child care qualification, um, they can get both on. They can get a boat on as well. You know, from there's some of the um that I'm not sure whether down your way um uh in, in North Down whether or not you can get a boat on in the, the college down there, but I know you can certainly get it in Belfast Met and in, in Derry mm-hmm. you can get you can also get it there. You know Yeah, I don't think any anywhere um close to to us does it but even Belfast Met isn't that far and yeah you can you can transition then from from one to the other and they just really complement each other um those those qualifications just kind of gives you the the, the confidence and kind of the backing to, to work with school-aged children in kind of a different way that really focuses on play so um so yeah yeah I think I, I I'm a wee bit like yourself I started in early years and um then progressed and opening an after schools in the, in the school that I was attached to, um, and the after schools, yeah, I I love the after schools as well. I love that age group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they're just you know, and especially the the younger ones, they just love you to bits and they want to do things for you. But it's just seeing them enjoying themselves, seeing them relax, and just how their day unfolds after maybe being um. You know they've been working hard in school all day and you know where there we give them that wee bit of outlet where we can let them out to play you know and they can choose whatever it is that they want they you know they can gain ownership from their after schools and you know they know where everything is and it's nearly like a second home for them you know and I think we end up like second parents to them as well don't we? that's it I do call them my children <laughs> yeah, but they always will be and you know the funny thing is two years later you know I mean I I, I see um children who'll come up to me I maybe haven't seen them from maybe primary seven and they'll come up as adults with their children and you know they they remember you and they'll introduce their children and it's just lovely to see um just see them growing up you know it is lovely um, because yeah, I suppose as play workers, we, there's a bit of an investment there, isn't there? You know, with with all of the children. So, looking at your current role, um, what's involved in your current role, Jess? I know you progressed a week, you know. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, my title is playwork manager. Um, so we have three um settings. Um, so I would oversee the kind of staffing and operations and quality of of all of our settings. So um, my role isn't directly always hands on with the children um, at the moment. It's more kind of admin-y, office based. Um, I'd be doing staff supervisions, be doing team meetings, I'd be liaising with parents, sorting out the the bookings and the invoicing and all those kind of back of house things. Um, would sometimes support the staff when we've got children with additional needs if they need like kind of an extra person in the room or um someone to observe how a child's getting on or or think of um ways that we can support that child so that would kind of come into my remit as well um for some of our staff 
a mentor you be mentoring yourself that's right um we do then have playwork supervisors who would be like the direct leaders in the room so um with four staff disqualified last year with their level five um so they'd be our playwork supervisors so they would have um staff members that they would supervise too um but they would really be responsible for the planning in the room um evaluating how the play setup has been that day if there's anything needs change for the following day um risk assessing um and kind of figuring out um some of our riskier activities just um really justifying the benefit of those over over the risk you know so like making s'mores for example there was there would be um talking to the children about the risks of of fire and all of that but the benefit that they get out the other side so they would just be analyzing all of that um and just really being um role models for the the playwork assistants or for any students or whatever that that come into our setting um, and then we'll have playwork assistants. So generally our playwork assistants have a level three qualification um, and some experience in, in childcare settings. So they would really be um, supporting the, the playwork supervisors in caring for the children, in um, setting up play opportunities, in keeping an eye on what's going on to see if um, children need any extra resources or could their play be extended in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, no two days are the same with the same. with us because we have different children that come every day. So it's a bit different to like a playgroup or or preschool or something like that where you have the same children come every day. We maybe have um a different mix of children and and different kind of dynamic every day, um which makes it really interesting because you can set up them different ways, knowing um what you know, what certain children like or how certain children play or going off something that started maybe last week and, and developing that through. So um, I quite like that because it never gets boring. Yeah. <laughs> and there's always something new coming out um, of of our day. So, yeah, that's really that's really what we do in a nutshell. Brilliant. And I'm sort of I'm looking at, you know, I'm thinking about the rewards and positives. You know, what would attract a person to work um, within an after school I think what we touched on earlier Breeze, like the relationships that you build with with children and families is really why probably everyone here works here Um, you have to really want to work with children and, and love working with them because it can be quite intense there's a lot to the job in terms of um minimum standards and our social services inspections and just keeping up with kind of all the compliance things so there's there's quite a lot to think about in a day but I think that it's so worth it for the relationships that we have with children and and seeing them develop into um like really capable and resilient little people that um you've just kind of seen them progress and and we're able to to really support families um, in the work that we do because we're based in, um, so we're a charity and there's lots of other projects that kind of um, our families can access. So um, I really like that aspect of what we do too. And that's that's rewarding for me because I know that we're not just here to just look after children for a couple of hours, that it means a lot more than that to both the children and the, the parents. So um, I suppose that's, that's a real reward and, and positive for me of what we do yeah and that's it and it's bringing the families in as well you know because you do stay in daily contact 
Yes. The families and I know for our children, you know, they always loved their parents to come in and see whatever it was they were doing, you know, whether yeah. if they had produced some art or if that particular day that the last half hour they decided to have a play, then everybody had to sit and watch whatever play they had put together. Yeah. But yeah, it is very rewarding. And, you know, um, you know, I'm thinking of the challenges as well. So, you know, along with those rewards, what are the challenges yeah it can be quite intense at times and there's it's it's always very busy I mean we've a setting um well two of our settings are are um we, we pretty much have 30 kids every day so that's I mean 30 kids in a room um is quite a lot and and each of those little people has maybe something going on in their lives or um whatever so it can be quite quite full on for those hours that you're with the children um and quite tiring but um I think that's where the passion nearly overrides that because you want to be there um most of the time um I think just for for the sector in general, it's the recruitment of those those really passionate people. So um I think that can be a real challenge and just getting that team that that everyone wants to be there and, and we're all there for the same reasons. But um yeah, I think that's that's probably two of the biggest challenges. Yeah. Yeah, because I, th I think that that's it too. And you've 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 hit the nail on the head. You're such a big part in those children's lives. And if you know, and, and, and you're probably the first to see that there's something going wrong or there's something going on with them. You know, it could be a fight with their friend or whatever, but you're there to help them through that and um, just, you know, manipulate life. Just, you know, isn't that right? You know, so that's it. And it's, it's helping them through small things you know like you know something didn't go right in school they didn't get into choir or something like that yeah, but yeah. those things um are the same skills that they use later in life or yeah. you know or when a, a more serious situation comes along um and and we're we're the ones a lot of the times that liaise with school so there could be something yeah. that's happened in that day and and we're the bridge um in that gap for parents too so um i think that it, it can never be underestimated the the work that we do and the that's right because you're a teacher you're a counselor you know, and, you know, you're there for to give them a hug whenever they need it and, you know, and, and to encourage them as well, you know, and things that they feel that they can't do, you know, just to encourage them along the way, We, you know. Yep. Now, thinking about the current challenges, you know, so that's a wee bit more difficult, I suppose, when we look at the current challenges today of, you know, maybe post-COVID um, and um, then looking also at the cost of living crisis, so I suppose that these are different types of challenges. I suppose one of them yeah. post-COVID, you know, okay, the economic challenges of that as well, but also, um, you know, maybe helping the children through that. And But then the cost of living crisis has sort of come straight after that. So what do you feel about that? Or how, how are you managing yeah. and um, in your setting? I think I think we are noticing... Um, now kind of coming through some of the impacts that that the covid years have had on children mm -hmm. um and i think that it's it's quite evident some of those children that missed out on on the really crucial school years just um they're struggling a wee bit struggling in some social situations um and we're noticing just that we need to support children's behavior a wee bit more than maybe we did before um 
and I think schools are reflecting that too but then we're we're getting that at the end of a school day so maybe tiredness and stuff's kicking in so um I think we are just starting to feel the kind of maybe mental health impact on on children and um, starting to come through a wee bit and some um kind of developmental challenges that children are are coming up against um and I think I think part of that too is is a lot of parents are now maybe hybrid working or working from home and school age children are maybe thought that that's okay they can just stay at home with the parents and sit on their tablet or tv for a while while parents finish work and I think they've learned that habit during COVID and now with the cost of living that those habits have stuck because it's it's a cost saving um, thing for a family. And I just think of those children that are caught in the middle that are maybe missing out on on the play opportunities that we provide on the um the the socialization with with other children and the the freedom to play um and instead it's it's maybe easier and and certainly is is cheaper to maybe just keep children at home and it's those school age children that I fear for um over the next few years that just um what's going to happen happen to them when they're missing out on on a lot of that so um I think both of those kind of dovetail together a little bit that some of the habits we learned are, are staying on um. But we just try and kind of combat that by keeping our fees as as low as we can. We try to be flexible with with parents' requests, so um like parents can cancel if they give us a month's notice. So if you've got an appointment that you need to go to or you're going on holiday, that um as long as we know about it in advance that you won't be charged. Um, we try and support parents with any financial help they can get. So directing them to employers for childcare, for example, just to try and support parents to use our service more because it's beneficial for well us being sustainable and continuing to stay open but just beneficial for their children it's less stressful for them not feeling guilty their children are looked after while they're working so um I think it's just trying to think how we can encourage parents to keep using us um but yeah we're, we're doing okay so hopefully we'll continue to, to keep on that trend and sort of staying there, you know, staying on the subject, the school age childcare forum, your yeah. co-chair on that. Um, yeah. Could you tell us a wee bit about the school age childcare forum? Sure. So um, really it's the aim is that, that it's led and kind of guided by um, people in the sector. So um, myself and Sinead, the chair, both work in the sector. And um, the aim is that it's just a group that we can kind of all get together all maybe um share our our concerns for this for the sector share anything that's that's continuously cropping up um and just really work through some of the challenges at the moment um and think about how we can support each other with those so that can maybe be through just kind of professional discussion with each other it might be that we could take those issues to um policy makers um to external bodies if we need to for support so um i think it's just a really good forum for us to come together and discuss what's going on with people that understand because they're in it too um so yeah it's it's been really beneficial to be a part of and and any other school age childcare providers that want to get involved would be 
very much welcome. Um, it's not really a huge commitment in terms of time or anything like that, but it, I think that the, what you get out of it in that hour or so for those meetings is is really, really useful. Brilliant. So Jess, Jess, you recently delivered a presentation to the Departmental Checker Forum and um, you raised some really valid points. Um, is there anything from your presenta presentation you'd like to share with us here? Sure. So um, I was fortunate enough to present to the all party groups, so representatives from different political parties on the situation in childcare at the moment. Um, so I'm presenting as a, a school age childcare provider. Um, and I think it's just really important that school age childcare, as it stands, remains as like a the infrastructure as it is remains and that we really protect that um i think just with some of the things we said before that that school age childcare is quite specialized really it's not just a holding place for children um until they're able to go home to their parents that that is a really special piece of work um and that i think um where so much goes into to early years and rightly so but um <clears throat> i mean the, the early years that, that we had during COVID, they're now our school-aged childcare children. So <clears throat> really that's where, where we're picking up the pieces there. And um, certainly some of the, the great work that's done in early years can be continued in school-aged um, childcare too. Um, I think just some of the, the challenges that I highlighted earlier with, you know, cost of living, that the, the cost of running our service has, has gone up as has everything else. But, you know, down to our utility bills, our, our salary bills, our, our food bills. Um, we're battling that up against the cost of living for families. So we want to provide a warm space for children because we don't know what's going on sometimes in, in their own houses. We want to make sure that no child goes home hungry um, after snack time. And if they want to fill up on a, a warm snack, we're trying to start to think about those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, we just really want to be here to support children and, and families and, and continue to, to be able to do that. Um, and I think a, a, another thing I highlighted just to the, the all party group was about caring for children with, with additional support needs. And those aren't always statemented. Those aren't always evident in, in school, but certainly they, they might have additional support needs in our, in our setting. So really it was just a highlight that that's becoming and increasingly challenging um yeah just that that the support needed for our practitioners um is, is really evident and and um we really want to help those children that that are struggling a wee bit so um it was really just to put that on their their radar as well that's great Jess, thank you so much for taking part in our podcast today and uh, and thanks for everyone um for listening Okay, well, just say goodbye now. So, bye Thank from Bridge. Bye from Jess. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye.